Welcome to Mission Control, where we give you step-by-step instructions on how to take your e-commerce store to levels only a rocket can reach. Each episode, we'll be interviewing an expert in the e-commerce industry that is going to give you simple, actionable advice on how to attract new customers, retain them, and build a brand that you are proud of. This show is brought to you by the makers of Rocket Car, an e-commerce service and solutions company. All right, welcome to the next episode of Mission Control. I am your host, Alex Ivanoff, with my co-host and partner, Dave Pancham. Today, we have a very special guest, Omir, from Colombia now, and uh, we are so happy to have you on, Omir. Thank you for joining. I'm excited to be here, man. We, we did my podcast yesterday, doing your podcast today. And then uh, you're, you're going to do mine again tomorrow, and then we're just going to flip-flop every other <laughs> Yeah, we'll just make it a daily thing for all of eternity. We'll just do each other's episodes every day. Yeah, so it. for everyone listening, uh, we were on Omir's podcast, Higher Fire, uh, last night, and uh, we, will, we recorded it last night. So uh, we'll have the link for that in the description, of course. Um, go check that out. Great show. Has a lot of great op- entrepreneurs on there and a lot of good advice about hiring people and, and managing people and making you know, HR-type decisions which is what Omir's specialty is in now. So I want to dig a little bit into that. Uh, th- you know, the biggest reason we have you on Omir today is um, I think a lot of brand owners that are listening can grab a lot of value from you on hiring people, managing their first employees, you know, delegating things and making their life easier and running a business because you know, that's what we're here to do. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background first um, and your story. Make it as long as you want. I've heard the very long version and the very yeah. short version. So you know, do your thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I think a lot of people have heard the long version, so I'll kind of, uh, I'll kind of give the synopsis. But uh, basically, about three and a half, almost four years ago, I moved from Georgia to Colorado. Um, in Georgia, I was driving for Uber, and uh, I just got accepted at a job at Whole Foods. And I was just your normal college kid. I was uh, 22, 23 years old, uh, going back to college for the second time, thinking that I'm going to do better things. And I dropped everything to move to Colorado. Um, one of my best friends started a marketing agency, his name is Marcus Rosinger, and I had the opportunity, actually, I don't know if you guys know this, but I had the opportunity, and I was thinking about this the other day, I had the opportunity to join him in 2017, before when he first really joined it, uh, because we were taking the Ty Lopez course. Um, I remember Davey talked about uh, yesterday about uh, Sam Oven. Ty Lopez was my guy. He was the one that we bought the social media course. But in 2016, 2017, I just didn't feel like I was ready. I felt like I didn't have enough money, which I didn't. But it was a bullshit excuse. I think I could have sold and, and, and got into it. But either way, 20, come 2018, uh, Marcos, one of my close friends, one of my uh, really good mentors as well in life, he started the marketing agency and then he partnered up with someone that you guys are familiar with, Joel Kaplan. Um, and they started a chiropractic agency and they started scaling it and they hit a number right around the 20, 30K per month where they felt like they needed a salesperson. In reality, they didn't. If going looking back at it, they really did not need a salesperson. They needed more appointments. They needed appointment setters. They needed a media buyer. I was the last person they should have hired. But Marcos liked me enough. I was a, a close friend of his, and I met Joel a few months back. And he, for some reason, I sold him on myself, where they convinced me to drop everything with hundred dollars to my name and move from Georgia to Colorado. And I did it. I literally sat my parents down. I was like, "Hey, I'm moving to Colorado tomorrow. I don't know. Why, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what they do, but I think I'm going to figure it out." And that was almost that was uh, August of 2018, so almost exactly four years ago. Um, and when I joined, as a lot of people know my story, the first few months I wasn't selling. I was basically an appointment setter. First two three months, I was basically just setting appointments um, and starting to get in the groove of sales. But I probably bought in a few sales here and there, and they were actually paying me a salary. So as a salesperson, especially in our industry, you guys know this. Most I would say 99% of salespeople, again in our industry, get paid purely commissions. The first three four months. 
I was getting paid on salary. So they were spending, you know, seven, eight thousand dollars a month, not a month, but total over the course of three, four months on me. And I was bringing almost no revenue back. So come January 2019, about five, six months later, they're like, yo, listen, man, huh, we're running paid ads. We're, we're looking to scale. We want you to be on the team. You're a perfect culture fit. Everything is perfect with you. You're just not bringing results in. And I was so nervous because in my head, I was like, there is no freaking way that I'm making the drive back from Colorado to Georgia. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you guys want to get motivated, drive through Kansas to get a job. And I promise you, you'll never want to make that drive again. Yeah. And, uh, it's the ultimate I mean, make or break situation. 100%. That was to me, that was to me one of the, like, the, the, that got in my head. I was like, I don't want to make that drive back. I definitely don't want to go back to school. And I told myself, because I already moved out of my parents' crib one time, and I, and I had to move back in. I told myself, I'm never moving back in. You can't just move out of your parents' crib, go back to your parents' house. Move out, move in. And then my parents are not your prototypical American parents where everything's okay, and they gave me, they gave me, uh, they gave me like, uh, what is it called? Uh, um, uh, allowance. I didn't get allowance. I'm, my parents are Jews and they're Russian. Like it's the, literally the, the, the most strict parents you can get. And they're very, very formal education. They, they think formal education, right? That's the, the route, which is fine. It just, I knew that was not for me. That was not the path that I wanted to go through. And January, 2019, when Joel Marcus sat me down and had that serious conversation, I basically that week sold, I think it was like four or five chiropractors, ended up selling like 15 chiropractors that month. And we were around right around the 40 to 50K per month. So in about in the first five months, we scaled from 20K to like 30, 35K a month. So we grew, but very little. But then from January 2019 to June 2019, we grew from 50K a month to 200, to 250K a month. And that was like, wow. I was like, holy shit, this is real. Like I'm actually, I was a broke college kid at, the, at one point, just driving Uber a few months back to now making between 10 to $20,000 a month. Um, and feeling like I'm actually doing something right. Like I would tell people, I actually had a conversation with uh, a potential client. I told him, when you're picking a niche, when you're picking a niche, the most important part about starting a business and the picking the niche part, and Dave, you talked about this yesterday about flip-flopping, is you need, to find, you need to find someone that when things are not going well, you're still motivated and inspired to talk to them. Because most of the time, you're not going to close people. Nobody closes at 80, 100, 200%. It's just impossible, especially in the beginning. So you need to find a niche that you're okay with not closing. And to me, that was chiropractic. I actually went to see a chiropractor. Uh, when I'm bored, I'm watch, I watch chiropractic ASMR, right? People get adjusted. I love, I don't know why it's weird. I know it's super weird. But to me, that's why, that's why to me, chiropractic wasn't, it wasn't like, I, I didn't get annoyed at talking to them. I mean, I talked to 10,000 of them over the course of two years, you know, now skipping my story, but like sold over 300 chiropractors. We scaled to $3 million in our uh, second year of business. And then obviously COVID hit and, and it, we, we made some dramatic, drastic changes as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was really crazy because for me, it was going from an Uber driver to struggling in sales to making my first 10K month to then jumping into Joel's coaching program. So Joel, actually one of the CEOs, he started his own coaching program, teaching people exactly what helped him go from zero to 300K a month, um, which is how I got connected with Alex and Dave. Um, and it, 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 for me, I was like, okay, well, my next evolution is to sell Two to three thousand dollar packages to send to sell ten to thirty thousand dollar packages, which is what I did with him. I sold over almost, I want to say around two hundred agency owners uh, last year, and then I noticed there was one thing that was missing. This Joel provides you everything. If you're if you know nothing about marketing agencies and you quit your job at McDonald's today and you're you get into his program, you're getting. 20 to 30 hours of coaching calls. You're getting a three to 400 agency owner community. You're getting a hundreds of hours of course material. You're getting literally everything you need 
The one thing that was missing is hiring, hiring virtual assistants, specifically hiring account managers, sales reps. And I noticed that every time at certain stages, when, when people scale, you need people, you need people, you need people to delegate those tasks to, you need managers to manage people. And that's where in November, 2020, I started my company using Fava, uh, where we actually place virtual assistants, all types from graphic designers to video editors, to appointment setters, to cold callers into these agencies. And um, we have now, I think we did a, the math, we're, we're at about 261 hirings in the last uh, year and a half, which is pretty awesome. And the ultimate mission, man, I wanna help 10,000 businesses find low, remote talent from all over the world. So that means that we have to help 10,000 businesses like you guys, like whoever it is, find remote talent and that means that we're helping 10,000 people in developing countries, right? I live in Colombia, like I mentioned, in Peru, in Philippines, I mean, you name it, literally change their life and change their, they, they, not just their life, but their family's life because of these connections. So that's my story. I try to cut it off as much as I can. <laughs> well, that was the most rapid fire success story ever. I, I'm, I'm sure that it wasn't, you know, as quick as, as you put it. For sure. Um, but I think that's an amazing goal because, you know, like you said, you know, when you hire a virtual assistant, quote unquote, from one of these developing countries, you know, mm. Peru, uh, Brazil, mm. Philippines, wherever, and you pay them half of what a working wage is here. It's still life-changing for them. And for you to have that goal of 10,000 people, it is life-changing for every one of those people, probably. You know, it's an insane 100%. amount of money to them. And uh, first of all, congrats on, on the success so far with, you know, almost 300 placements. Um, I can't wait to talk to you again in a year and you got a couple thousand under your belt. It's <laughs> a goal, man. It's a goal. It's, uh, they're out there. It's, it's so cool because... Uh, the reason I love what I do is because anybody can do what I do. Like and you guys can go on onlinejobs.ph, you can go on Facebook groups. But what I notice is that as business owners, if you're spending time going through hundreds of applications and hundreds of videos, and instead of actually just getting presented the top candidates in, your, in the position of need, I'm saving you so much time. I'm literally your time saver. And then if I find you the right person, I'm saving you even more time because if you find someone that's wrong and you've gone through this, the hundreds of applications and then you, you hire someone that's wrong, you're wasting so much time. It's not even about the money. Forget about the money. So, yeah. So you were a kick-ass salesman, Omir, obviously. You're, you're taking home 10, 20 grand a month, you know, in, in your peak, maybe even yeah. more, I'm not sure. What, how did you get the stones to walk away and say, I want to start my own, you know, talent placement agency? Uh, like that, that's kind of bold, right? <laughs> oh man, it's super bold because, uh, February, 2020, I was a 10X. I'll never forget this. 10X, shout out to uh, Grant Cardone. Also right before COVID. It's like, you know, I'm thinking COVID is a Oh, I was there too. Joke. I was at the same. You were there? Same great. Conference. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that was one of the best ones. Show. Like, Grant Travolta, Kevin Hart, like awesome. awesome yeah. And I met a few amazing connections that I'm still connected with today. Um, um, but anyways, and I remember it was actually my second time going to Vegas, but anyways, I remember uh, one of my friends, she asked me, and she was, uh, at the time, she was operations for, uh, for Atlas Digital. She's like, hey, I'm here. So, like, super random. Like, what do you want to do? Like, do you just want to keep selling chiropractors? Like, what do you, what's your next goal? And I was like, honestly, I just want to keep selling. Like, I just like selling. Maybe I'll go work for Joel. Like, I honestly don't know. Like, I just really enjoy what I do. Like, I like selling. And that was it. Like, that was basically how the conversation ended. So, if you knew me for, from 2018, 2019, you would never think that this guy's going to own a business. Only because, not because I didn't have the potential, but because... I just really like sales. I, I really like one aspect, the most important aspect in a sense of the business, um, which is sales. To be honest with you, bro, I always knew that if I started a business, it was gonna be on accident. It was gonna be something that just 
happened on accident. And that's literally what happened with VAs. Someone hit me up. This is literally how it started. This is actually the story. I lost two deals in October of 2020. I lost two deals to coaches in the space that I highly respect, but I also feel like we have a way better program with them, right? And I'll, I'll give you the names. It's JR and uh, Ravi. I'm actually connected with both of them. Great guys, amazing human beings, amazing coaching programs. I genuinely thought that we had better programs. The only reason I lost those deals is because the one thing that they offer with their program was a VA. They're like, yo, here, you're gonna get a coaching program, you're gonna get a VA. So I remember there's a gentleman named Eric Fosnott, who's actually my very first client. He hit me up, he's like, yo, Amir, I wanna join Joel's program. The only way I'll join is if you can find me a VA. I'm like, give me, give me, give me a couple days. I reached <laughs> yeah. out to my I reached out to my sources. Let me figure that boom. out for you. <laughs> boom, I, I figured it out. Right there. <laughs> this, was crazy. this is what's crazy, because everybody remembers their first sale. But most people's first sales kind of either shitty, maybe they're not your client anymore, maybe you're not connected with them. It, the reason you remember your first sale because you're like, holy shit, this is possible. Like there's there's something here. Eric Fosnott is now a multiple time client. We've hired four people for him. His very first VA is now getting paid fifteen hundred to two k a month. Where she got when she started, she was making four hundred dollars a month. She's one of his top leaders in his company. I mean, he, and he scaled from ten k a month to he literally hit me up yesterday. They, they just did their best month yet, one hundred and thirty six thousand dollars a month. And I and I'm really connected with him. He's one of my good friends. He's visiting Medellin, Colombia. Shout out to Eric who's listening to this. And he's the one that kind of inspired me and he continues inspiring me in hiring people because at every stage of his business we've been helping him. But what I'm trying to say is when I fulfilled for him, bro, all these other people in agency lab were like, whoa, you got VAs, you got VAs, we got VAs. And it's crazy that Joel, who's so connected, right? Joel has everything in the program. We know we never knew where to go for VAs. It was always so random. It was like, maybe we should ask those this person and that person. And I was like, hold up. This no one fulfilling VAs here. All right, let me put this together and let me figure out how we're going to do this and let's start doing this. And um, from November 2020, bro, till August, I actually focused on agency lab. I focused on selling agency owners like you guys into the program, into their into their inner circle, whatever the case is. While on the side, I was running favor. And for the first couple months, I actually didn't tell anybody. I went behind Marcus's back, Joel's back, everybody's back. So I wanted to prove to myself that I didn't need them to help me because I'm already using a lot of their sources and everything, right? So we hit 10K a month. We're pretty much doing between 5 to 10K every single month. And then come August, I just realized I was talking to Joel and I was like, dude, I fucking love working with you. I Everything you've taught me, everything about business, the hardest, one of the hardest working people I've ever met, I need to start on my own. And he gave me the full, full confidence that I can do this. And I remember um, my departure from agency, like my official, like it was like so emotional. We were all crying and I was like, I'm going to fucking destroy this industry because I know, <laughs> I, I say this all the time, I know my intentions are more about than just money. This is why, this is why I tell everyone, everyone that wants to get into business and to entrepreneurship, I'm like, go fucking get a job at a small town, small business, go learn the skills, get really good, make money, save money. So when you start a business, you don't have to rely on making money. I think a lot of people start a business. And they so focus on the money so much that they let their product die out. They focus yeah. on revenue and giving me money. Where for me, I'm like, dude, I just want to provide you guys the best people in the world. The money will come. The money will come. The money will come. I'm on a 10-year, 20-year journey here. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. What a story. That, that reminds me of the pursuit of happiness where he's like running around town with no shoes on trying to sell those yeah. bone density scanners, right? Just 100%. And then he finally makes it at the end. That's amazing. Yeah. So, all right, so you have experience in sales now, and now uh, you're at a point where you have a tremendous amount of experience placing talent within other companies, all types of different companies. Mm. For the brand owners listening, what is 
would you say, and we're going quickly here, but we can talk about it a little bit more. What yeah. is the most important thing to remember about the hiring process? Great question. The number one thing I told you, I literally told you guys this yesterday is to make sure you do it yourself first. Don't hire someone and have them figure it out. Have it figured out, bring someone in to delegate it. A lot of people hire and then they're like, I don't know what to do. This guy sucks. I, I, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know if they're doing the right work. Instead of you become your virtual assistant, you become your appointment setter, you become the sales rep, and then you hire for that position, you're going to have a lot more, um, a lot better strategy moving forward. Yeah, makes sense. Who would you say, if I, let's say I'm selling, I don't know, I'm selling shoes out of my garage, right? I have yeah. a, a brand that I just started. Um, I'm at 10 to, I don't know, 30 orders a day and I'm starting to get overwhelmed and I'm like, all right, I need some help. I want to grow this thing. I want to take it to the moon, but I don't know who to hire. I don't know what to delegate first and I don't know like how to go about it or like what capabilities I have and what's the potential here. So who's the first hire? Um, if at that level it's an appointment setter, it's someone that can send out emails for you. It's someone that can, uh, talk to other businesses. It's someone that can, you can delegate the appointment setting. And a lot of times in the e-com space, I know emails is huge, email marketing, a lot of people do. You can do uh, Facebook marketing. I mean, you can do all that stuff. But what I've noticed, man, every business at a different, is at a different stage. And your first hiring depends on what your most uh, important need is. 90% of the time, it's people needing more appointments slash more sales. That's what I've noticed. Mm-hmm. People like you guys need more fulfillment and more media buyers and you guys so focused on your product because you're at 150 clients so it's a little bit different of what your next hiring would be. Um, so it really depends on the stage of your business and what tasks you need delegated ASAP Rocky and again most of the time it's appointment setters. So when you say appointment setter for let's say like you know appointment setter sounds like a, a sales position and I'm like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to schedule a demo or something but if you're selling like a hard product mm-hmm. how, how would you apply that you know that skill set to a brand owner. So appointment center is, is, a, is a, there's two variations. There's a calling, someone that calls, mm-hmm. makes calls, cold calls, intro calls, discovery calls. And then there's someone that does organic outreach. So the organic outreach appointment center is what I would look for. Uh, and someone that can send out a bunch of emails, someone that can do friend requests on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn messages. Um, I mean, you, you, I mean, it's crazy how heavily underutilized this is. And because yeah. at one point it was so heavily use, utilized, but what happened is everyone saturated the market partially our fault because we gave everybody the cold demon masterclass that worked so freaking well for us. So everybody took our cold demon masterclass. They never changed the scripting and then they just blasted it to their own people where if I was starting and if I was doing organic outreach today with people, which I am, I still do. Um, I would personalize it every single message I personalize. So it takes a little bit longer, but my messaging, I get a lot more appointments. I get high, my story. It's pretty insane compared to the rest of the industry. I build relationships. Um, I don't care about blasting 500 people. I, I, I genuinely don't care about that. That's one of the things that I don't, I personally wouldn't do. I've done that before. It works to a degree. So yeah, um, organic outreach person is what I look for. So I have a question here. So, cause you're, you said like, you know, make sure you know how to do it first before you go ahead and essentially yeah. outsource it. Right. Mm. So if I'm a brand owner and, um, I've, you know, built my brand to a certain level and I've been doing Facebook ads mm. um, and I'm like, well, I need, I heard Google's a good idea to do, or TikTok mm. is a good idea to do. Um, mm. How would you suggest they approach something that they actually don't know in that kind of scenario mm. before hiring? Great question. What I would do, and I've done this already myself for my company, is I would hire a coach that can, instead of spending money on paying someone to help me figure it out, because you don't know, how can you know if someone's good on the interview? 
like I literally tell people, someone, someone, we have someone right now. I'm like, I need a Google PPC media buyer. I'm like, great. Do you know how much you know about it? He's like, I know nothing. So I'm like, how can you interview someone confidently? Know that they're not full of shit. That's the biggest thing. Interviews is is the way I see interviews is how much full of shit are they? Because if they're really full of shit, I can't hire them. But if they're a little bit of full of shit, but they're mostly knowledge and they're actually real, then I can actually hire them. So what I would do, instead of allocating money and resources, I would actually allocate it towards hiring. I would allocate resources towards a coach, some a program, someone that can teach me about Google Ads, or I would I would um, I would outsource it and learn from them, and then bring it in house. But don't bring something in house that you have no familiarity with whatsoever. For instance, I'll give you guys an example. We're doing that with TikTok. I'm about to start running TikTok ads. Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys know. I just found this yesterday. You can't advertise TikTok ads in South America or Central America. So we were trying to run ads to get, you know, virtual assistants, callers, and you literally cannot advertise anywhere in Central and South America, which is wild. That's how no, new I TikTok. That. I yeah. didn't know that either until yesterday. So, but you can advertise in Europe and US, obviously in other places. So we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna do that. But anyways, instead of me being like, "Yo, Christian, go figure it out," who's my like operations slash media buyer. I brought on someone that has already experience, like spend some time with him, 30 minutes to an hour, and if we need to spend more time with him, I'll pay him so we both can learn and figure it out. So that's what I would do. Dave, because I know you did that, and I know Alex has done that too. Instead of trying to figure out shit by yourself, invest into a coach, invest into a program, learn it, or just fully outsource it, and until you feel comfortable that you have the SOPs, the systems dialed in, then you want to bring someone in. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because I mean, what you're doing every time you hire someone, right? It's a little bit of an experiment, hoping that they work out and they do a good job. Mm-hmm. If you're hiring someone that has a responsibility and a job description and skill set that is something that you have no idea what it is, it's a bigger experiment for you because you have you have to take a little bit more time to figure exactly. out if it's working or not, and exactly. you know, you're very uneducated. So by yeah. kind of getting a better gauge of how well someone's doing based on what you already know, yep. it mitigates that experiment. So that makes sense. No, 100%. So, you know, VAs, virtual assistants, especially in the marketing world, mm. have a little bit of like a negative connotation, or at least they, they, they did early on. Uh, I would say in my circle, a little bit less nowadays, but yeah. especially like a brand owner listening that's never hired a VA. Don't, like this is maybe this show is the first time they're ever hearing the term virtual assistant VA. Mm. How can you eliminate the negative connotation for them? That's a great question. The reason there's negative. And what is it? Like, let's explain. Like, what exactly is a virtual assistant, and like why it's called that? Right. Like from the beginning, a a virtual assistant is someone that works for your company that is literally placed outside of your local area. You guys want to hear something crazy? We are virtual assistants. I'm a virtual assistant. You're a virtual assistant, Dave. You're a virtual assistant. You are. It's just we don't want to look at it like that. Oh, I'm CEO. I'm sales. You're we're, we're. Virtual assistant, you're working virtually. Anyone that doesn't go to an office and works remote is a virtual assistant. The term, the reason people have this stigma with virtual assistant is because there's two reasons. Number one, there are virtual assistants that are in it purely because of the money. They don't actually want to grow. Just like there are Americans that are working at a, you know, bagging groceries, working McDonald's. They don't want to be there. They're just there for the money. That's definitely one part. The other part why virtual assistants are not good is because the CEOs, the companies, they have no idea how to treat virtual assistants compared to treating American employees because there is a culture shock, right? People in the Philippines and people in Ecuador and people in Massachusetts, they're different. We're different humans. We're almost like it's it almost feels like it's a different world. So what a virtual assistant is, is it's someone that you can delegate your work for, for significantly less of the price of an American employee with no benefits. 
Normally, if you hire an American employee, let's just say, let's stick with employees, they're expecting probably 15 to $25 an hour, bare minimum, bare minimum, which is not a lot, plus benefits, plus time off, right, plus PTO, and then on top of that, you don't know, you're hoping that they're gonna do a great job, that's the hope. Where in the Philippines, in South America, they're already starting to train them and start to allocate resources to make them great virtual assistants. They have schools, they have teachers, they have all these programs that are allocating all this time to help them become really great virtual assistants based on what Americans want, which for us is number one, showing up on time, right? Showing up, showing up on time. Number two, getting the work done. Number three, submitting reports. And number four, making sure that you're consistent, right? Not one day you can work, one day you can't work, one day like consistency. And the crazy part is these virtual assistants in the Philippines, for instance, let's say, on average, I see people paying them two to three dollars an hour, which I don't. I pay them a little bit more. An average person in the Philippines makes right around the two to three hundred dollars per month. So if you can pay them four hundred, five hundred, six hundred for us, they started six hundred, seven hundred dollars a month. I have teams. I have a team that makes you know team members that make a thousand to two thousand dollars a month. Um, that is to them is a lot of money. That's basically like in the U.S. making five to six k per month, which is not again not you're not balling that control, but you can buy a house, you can buy a car. And the best part is what I've noticed, because I've worked with American employees and I've worked with VAs now, people in the Philippines, especially, I'm gonna point them out, are the most loyal people ever. If you find the right team members, they will work on the weekends. They will work extra hours for you. They will be so thankful for you. I'll give you guys an example. This is actually such a, honestly, my biggest flex of the year. And I, I, I can flex on a lot of shit, you know? <laughs> I can flex, I, you know, Eddie. You see Eddie, you in the tank top, man. It yeah. looks like you can flex a lot of um, I, I can flex on a lot of shit, but this is my, my biggest flex is uh, one of my team members is actually getting married tomorrow. And I paid for like a lot of his wedding. I, I like sponsored a lot of his wedding. And it was actually like one of the best, for me, it was one of the best investments. The amount of work that he's put in for me, the amount of stuff that he's batted for me and how much he's helped the company because he's uh, he's basically our connector. He's the one that connects clients with the virtual assistants and filtering and he's not, he's, he does a lot of hard work. It, it made me so freaking happy. And just, just seeing him um, being able to celebrate the happiest day of his life or the worst day of his life, uh, just being a part of that, you know what I mean? It's, it's incredible. So they're just so loyal, man. And I think uh, a lot of people are in this stage, especially older, right? If you're a brand watching this and you're older, you're, you're, you're in thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, whatever, it was an uncommon 1990s and 2000s to hire someone across the world. That's, that sounded insane. Yeah. I think this was insane up until 2015. I think 2015, 2016, when we started this world, this kind of became, so we're still yeah. so new. We're less, than a, we're, bad. we're less than a decade with virtual assistants. We're so green that TikTok, you can't even advertise, you can't advertise to Central South America on the number one social media platform right now, TikTok. That's how new we are. So in context, if you can find awesome people, great workers, loyal people. And you, you don't have to immediately hire them, but I, I put everybody on a trial. Everybody that comes work for me, they're on a trial, one month. I'm like, you're, not, you're hired, I'm gonna pay you, but you're on a trial. I don't know if you're gonna be here for the long run. If you are, you're gonna get paid, I'm gonna give you, start giving you raises, bonuses, all that stuff. So I just went on a hold just there, but because I'm so passionate about like making sure people get that term like VA out of there, like, oh, VAs, I don't wanna work with VAs. It's like, all right, good luck. No, that's really good. No, I mean, there's there's a lot of things in there that you point out that people don't realize, right? When they when they're approaching this, Dave, you you have more experience in this field than I do, uh, and you have a more personal connection with a lot of our 
employees in the in the Philippines. But you, you know, some of the things that when we were talked about, like you've experienced yourself too, right? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, um, and I, I know I completely I, I had the stigma around virtual assistant before, like when I first mm-hmm. came in, um, because my experience from a few years, like maybe like five years ago. Um, perception was like somebody from India that didn't speak good English. And I'm like, how am I going to trust this kind of person to come in and do quality work? And I think it's like when you've, when you've seen that kind of thing happen or you've experienced that or even heard that you're like, I can't go hire somebody overseas to do what I need them to do. Like, I mean, I, I would imagine like some of the easiest places where a brand owner can really plug in like a virtual assistant is maybe to help with like customer service, maybe updating your like, same thing. Updating like your Shopify listings, uh, graphic design, and it's like if your experience, like the concern, can be communication skills, quality of work, you know. Um, so, I think like I think one of the first key pieces there is to dispel the truth. Like, you know, you can find some people that have the skills to do what you do there, but then how do you feel like? How do people deal with like? Um, look, we live in a remote world and remote business, like, like, you know, building culture with like, with a remote business is a big challenge. No. E-commerce yeah. business is probably going to be like that. How do you deal with the culture difference, right? How do you create that marriage and that culture there so that the team really jives and you have good people and loyal people for you long-term? Cause another thing that I've also had got a virtual assistant, trained them up and like, you know, invested this time. And then day one that they are start to start to work, didn't even show up. Right? Yeah, I've had that. I think we've all, if you've been in business long enough, you've had that, but that's why, but here's what I've noticed. I'd rather have that, like go through the first the, the onboarding and then they don't show up day one, than them not showing up month three when I really need them. And we started working a lot more. So I actually like one of the things that I do um, with where our clients now, and I do this with my own team is I have a really in-depth onboarding process. Like it's, it's fucking killer. Like I create a roadmap with them. I go over core values. I create the scheduling on them. I mean, we're literally sitting there with my team members for two to three hours. And a lot of, I've done this before where some people got scared. They're like, oh shit, this is a serious business. And then they don't show up the next day. And I'm like, dude, I just think, thank God. Thank God that I avoided right. mistake now. That's the biggest thing with entrepreneurs, man, especially the level that you guys are at, where I'm trying to get to and where we're all trying to get to. Time is so much more valuable than money. But yeah. you don't realize that in the beginning. Again, experiments, right? Like you find out day one on the experiment that it's not working. It's better than finding out day 90, you know? Correct. That's the biggest fear that most people have. So Dave brought up a good point, right? So let's say, because you, you also mentioned, Amir, uh, an appointment setter. And in my mind, I'm thinking customer support because a lot of brand owners are, yep. don't want to answer emails, don't want to answer phone calls, right? Oh. It's kind of the same yep. old, same old. It's kind of like an FAQ type of thing. Yeah. For a brand owner that's hiring someone from the Philippines, let's say first, you, we talked about the the I guess negative stigma. One of them was time difference, where mm. you kind of shut that down, saying they're willing to work pretty much any hour of the day mm. and weekends. So that's mm. one. Uh, let's talk about like language and, and dialect and things like that. Difference like that yes. that's hard too, right? Because yes. you know that's that's a huge key to the job. So it how is. do you how do you address that? Great question. So what we do is every single person submits an application with us. Normally takes about 20 to 30 minutes. And on top of that, they submit a video. If your application is, I've been a VA for 10 years. I have uh, done thousands of calls per month. I, uh, I only want to get paid $4 an hour. Like it's literally on paper, like, but then your video 
is I don't understand what you're saying. Immediately yeah. disqualify. The amount of people that we disqualify from the video is pretty insane. What's funny is I do the same thing with American hirings. I probably do between three to five American hirings per month. Sales reps, account managers, media buyers. Not much. We don't recruit. It's, they come to me organically. I just help one of my friends get a sales job. Same thing. I'm like, go fill out this application. It's not as long. It's probably a lot shorter than a VA one because I don't need you know, to test you too much. But then the video. The video is everything to me. But then... What we do for our, our, on our end, before we present people to my clients, is I act, we actually interview them ourselves. Because here's what we noticed. This is the craziest shit of all time. One time, we had this girl. I, this is such a true story. This is, the, this is the crazy. This is how you know I've been doing this for a long, for a long time. We had this girl send us a video, right? Application is perfect. Video, wow. If I send you guys this video of this girl, she, wanted a, a, uh, she was uh, looking for an appointment setting job slash like, you know, customer service, you'd be like, get, get me on a call with her. This girl practiced the video probably for six hours. <laughs> she got on it. It's like interview. an actress on set, right? Practicing the accent. Look, guys, listen to this. She got on the interview. She didn't speak English. Wow. She literally wow. did not speak English. We literally asked her like simple questions like, hey, like, oh, cool. So we see on here, like, very, like the very first question. And she's like, uh, and she was shook. She started froze up. Talk about loyalty, speak. right? <laughs> They're very Correct. loyal. Correct. So sick. this is why the video is very important, but it's the interview after the, for, with our team to make sure like, yo, like, and what I tell with my, the people that interview are also like virtual assistants in a sense. I tell them that anyone that doesn't have as good English as them, they're not qualified. Cause I literally brought on team members that have good English, not perfect, but definitely understandable. I would hire them to do calls, all that stuff. If it's worse than them, if they're struggling to understand my clients, will, my clients won't, don't want to talk to them as well. So you, you have to set sure. a Standard. Sometimes people don't do videos. They do like just voice recordings because you don't need them on camera. Personally, I love the video because I make people look presentable. I can see their energy. Another thing, here's a huge tip for people that are looking to hire VAs. I have them lyric. So I have them record a loom video. Then after going through the questions that I have for that on the video, the last question is go ahead and share your screen, go to speedtest.net and let's see what your internet speed is. So then boom, they show us their internet speed. And if it's three megabytes per second, I'm like, we can't hurry. Right. We have like a 20 megabytes minimum. So we check the internet, we check the energy, we check their vibe. And the thing is, I want people to spend four or five hours spending the video. I know they don't, but I want them to. If they could, that would be great. So yeah, that's how we learn a lot so, of people. So let's break it down, right? I'm hiring my first VA. I go to onlinejobs.ph, which is probably the biggest one that yep. I know of. I'm yep. sure there's more. Yeah. Um, and I write up my job description. I make my job post. I get applications coming in. Yeah. Do I email them and say, hey, I'm looking to interview you first. Can you email me back a video with this kind of guideline? And this is what I'm looking for. Or how, how do you do that? So on the application, you want to create some barriers already. So the application mm -hmm. should have barriers. So for, for instance, experience. Um, maybe uh, if it's a graphic designer, video editor, their portfolio, right? So it depends on what job you're looking for, but it shouldn't have barriers. It shouldn't just be name, number, and email. It should be barriers throughout the application, which is why it should take them about 20 to 30 minutes to complete. And at the very end, they have to submit a video to a certain email, right? So for instance, for us, it's like careers at, you know, our email. So careers at using Fava. And I know that this person had to have submitted an application. Otherwise, they, there's no way they know what the, the email is. So then I'm looking at the emails because they've already submitted it. and I match it. With us, we're looking at every single person that comes in, blah, 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 blah. With, if I was a CEO, application, create barriers on each, on each, for each thing that you're looking for. Make sure that they submit a video. And then 
if you have a big team like you guys, for instance, I would have someone on your team vet the people first, like have them interview. It shouldn't be you, Dave or Alex. You guys should be not be the first interviews. It should be someone from your team. If you don't have a team, any team members, then it should, it will be you. Um, now here's something else that we did before the interview. We actually started doing a skill test. So it's application video and skill test. We actually do both skill tests and a personality test. I do a disc assessment. So we can actually okay. like out a little bit. And then we do a personalized skill test. So if I'm looking for an appointment setter, I would have them read a script. If I did graphic design, maybe I have them design something that I'm working on, right? Video editing, maybe create a video edit. It should not take them more than 30 minutes to an hour to complete. If you're spending, if it takes them four hours to complete a test, then number one, you're gonna owe them money because that's four hours of work. And number two, um, it's a very in-depth test for sure, but you're, at that point you should might, might as well hire them. So I think 30 minutes to an hour testing is perfect. Then, once I like their video, once I like, once I like their application, their video, skill test, personality test, then I head to the interviews. And normally I interview people two to three times and then we move into the hiring. So do you guys see this? There's all these barriers. And I'm telling you, a lot of these people want jobs, they want careers, they want to make $800 a month, 1200 but they're lazy with the easiest stuff because this shit is easy. The hard work oh, is yeah. when actually get started and you hand them the work and it's to stay loyal to you guys and that's the hard part. This shit's easy. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to make it like impossible. I want people to get jobs and careers. Yeah, I couldn't better. Couldn't put it better myself. When when we hire for certain positions, you know, we have the personality test and we have the kind of like real world assessment. We give them like a real world problems relevant mm -hmm. to their job, mm -hmm. and they submit it. And I tell you what, like I tell them, you know, I don't expect you to spend any more than 15 to 30 minutes on this and you know the reason we're doing this is like we want to make sure that you're very like detail oriented right. and i tell them like if i can't see that you're detail oriented on this job assessment how am i supposed to know that you will in the actual real world and i can't tell you how many people like mess up the actual small details in this thing and i'm like i can't imagine if i'm like applying for a job and i like get a test i'm gonna look over that like a million times before i submit it you know what i mean so let's just like you said people are looking for kind of hand, hand me outs correct and, uh, so in our industry, it's like we're, we're moving fast. We constantly upgrade. We're, we talked about this yesterday. What you guys did last year to what you're doing now to what you guys are looking for the future. People have to have an innovation mindset. I don't like to hire robots. This is the biggest thing. A lot of people hire VAs to be robots. If that's the case, don't do a skill test. Don't do an interview. I mean, just hire them off the bat. Go to Upwork and you can find robots. I tell my team when I onboard them, I'm like, look, the first 90 days, I don't want you to innovate shit. I already have everything dialed in. Come in, do the work. After 90 days, let's start thinking, how do we make this job better? How do we, and I'll give you an example. I have a girl, shout out to Geraldine. She's one of my interviewers. So this past week, she's had uh, a little less interviews. On average, I wanted to take 10 interviews, but this week she's been taking like five to eight. So we're a little slow on the recruiting side. So you know what she's been doing? I, I didn't even ask her. She went on her TikTok and she created her own like uh, recruiting funnel. Like, hey guys, you want to work from home? And <laughs> I'm like, well, this is amazing. I, I, wouldn't, I didn't ask her. I actually purposely don't want her to do that because I want her to be on interviews. But the fact that it's slow, she's innovating. That's the team member I want. Guess what? She's from that's the Philippines. Awesome. She's not a robot. That's what I'm looking for. Dave, you were about to say something. Uh, I think you kind of pulled it out right there. I think probably where I would go next, I was going to ask, is like, let's say, let's pretend a brand owner is not using Omir and they're trying to do this themselves. And yeah. they think they've gotten that, that first hire. Maybe it's somebody that is going to manage like customer service for them. How do you feel like, how do you make sure that you get off to the right step or at least you quickly figure out, is this person going to be fit, is going to be the proper fit? How do you properly onboard them? How do they figure out those kinds of things? Like how do you set yourself up for success and how do you figure out if this person, like, is this going to be a good churn or is this person going to last? So that's a great question. What I would do is I would start them slow. 
I would not overwhelm these people with amount like 500 calls, blah, blah, blah. I would start them slow. The ultimate goal is when you hire someone, you want them to work out. Don't set someone up for failure. I think a lot of people hire people and they hand them over everything off the bat. KPIs are through the roof, all this. Instead of starting them slow and increasing it over time, right? Because if that happened to me four years ago, my KPI was five sales a week, I wouldn't be here today. So thank God they started me slow. Obviously I went a little too slow, but in general, you can start, you can start just start them slow and then you make the, you tell them on the call, look, you got the job, but we're on a month, we're doing a month trial. I, what I do actually is I don't actually send people contracts after the month, after the first month. Now I, I don't recommend doing that. That's something that's worked for me. Some people do contracts, don't do contracts, but I actually send you an official contract after the trial, after the first month that I know for a fact you're going to be here because I customize my contract for every person, incentives, bonuses, whatever the case is. Um, so start them off slow and then make sure that they know that they got the job, but they don't officially formally have the job until a month. Because here's, here's how, why for me it's a month. It's, it's actually funny. Not only do I do this with me, I also do this with my clients. So if you guys were to get a, a virtual assistant, you have 30 days to figure out if this person's a good fit or not. Because within 30 days, we'll replace them. And I believe that 30 days is more than enough time, right? We're talking about 20 work, we're, we're talking about 20 work days, right? Not including weekends. It's enough time to kind of figure things out. And I like the little things, right? I like people to submit amazing end of day reports. I like, the people, I like pe for people to go above and beyond. I like for them to, to ask questions. I like for people to think in their job, consistently like make, making them think. And then, real, and then what I do, another thing that I do is, I do one-on-ones with every single team member. On Fridays, I dedicate basically my entire day to talk to every single team member where we are. Here's where you're at, blah, 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 blah. A lot of people don't do that. I, I didn't do that for the first you know, six months. I started doing this like, I started doing this a couple months ago. And I start catching little things. I start catching things that they don't want to say on meetings, that they don't put on the report, that they're missing, they're like little details. So how you do that, to answer your question, David, start them slow, number one, increase KPI over time, and tell them that they're on a 30-day trial. Because by the way, you should do this with every team member. Sales reps, account managers, media buyers, doesn't have to be just VAs. Every single person should not, because some people, this is crazy, and I'm sure you guys can attest, some people's success is just getting the job. Like, they go home like, I got the job, sure. I got the job, I got the job. When in reality, that's like you're one foot in. You just, you, all you did is you stepped inside the house, but you're not fully immersed in everything. You don't know everything about the business. You don't know, practically don't know, don't know anything yet. So a lot of people celebrate getting the job. They don't celebrate succeeding in the job, which is really the <laughs> Yeah, great point, great point. So if when you're looking at this job application, um, what are you looking for in the skill assess in the skill? Uh, what'd you call it? What skill assessment? Yeah, skill assessment. Skill assessment and the disc assessment, the personality test or any personality test, specifically for each job. Obviously, it changes, but you know, what are you generally looking for? So again, this depends on what um, job I'm looking for, right? If I'm looking for an appointment sure. setter, I need someone with a little bit of skills and experience in customer service and good English and energy. If I need a media buyer, I'm looking for someone that's data driven, knows, understands numbers, and is a little bit more introverted. I don't want to. I don't want a media buyer like me. Like if you have too much energy, and you're a media buyer, what happened? You should not. You like you're you're a crazy. You're like a very like you're not your typical media buyer because most media buyers are a little bit more introverted. They're very data driven. They're very analytical people. Where salespeople are more energetic and hype and blah blah blah. Right. So. That's, I would want that more from my appointment setter. I don't want a boring appointment setter. My appointment setter should be fun to talk to. 
Like my both of my interviewing interviewing girls, they're they have such great energy. They're so charismatic. They love. They smile. They're just happy. That's what I want from an appointment setter. Graphic designers, media buyers, video editors. I don't really need that too much. I, you can be introverted. So I would say that's a skill. But here's something very important that I look for. Depending on the level of my company, um, I look for people that do I do that do I need someone that's a little bit more experienced and skilled in this position. Or would I rather get someone green and then teach them everything? Because this is very important. It is way easier and way less complex to train someone from scratch than having to retrain someone because they built up bad habits or habits that are not uh, habits that are just having nothing to do with our company, right? I'm sure you guys can attest, right? If it's a media buyer and he's the way he looks at ads and the way he analyzes it, it's so different than you guys. But he's been doing it for two years. Probably not a best fit compared to someone that's been doing media buying for six months, super green, wants to learn. So I personally like to bring more green people to my company and train them from scratch at the level that we're at. But then you talk to someone like Eddie Malouf, who used to be like that. Actually, it's funny. The first few people that I hired for Eddie, he wanted green people. The last few people, he's like, dude, if they don't have experience or skill, I don't want them. Don't even present them to me. So it depends on the level of your company, I would say, hiring and versus uh, training versus retraining. And what about for the disc assessment? Uh, the disc assessment, again, um, I, you know, it's funny. I just started using it probably like three weeks ago before we were doing the 26 personality or 16 personality one. And the disc assessment is a lot better. I like anyone that's talking to clients, appointment setting to have uh, to be, I can't, I can't remember. I think it's the high green, which is like leadership and like um i, I just, there was just a girl that submitted a discuss i can't remember what hers was but i remember reading reading the analysis i'm like oh this is exactly what i'm looking for this position like this this is the person i need versus i had another girl that was that was going for a recruiting and she's more analytical and she's more like data driven she's an engineer i'm like i don't need an engineer as a recruiter i need someone that's like loves talking to people and follow up and just be a set. yeah you're just connecting dots really right Correct. exactly so not, not too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I'm on here, I'll have a better like an, an analysis of the disc assessment because right now I'm just like new with it, and we just started pushing it to all our clients. Because before I was like this personality, this personality, and I was like, why don't we just do the disc test? Have you ever heard of the dark triad? That's one of my favorites. Mm. That's a that's one that Ty Lopez has used a lot. That's mm. who introduced me to it. Essentially, mm. it tests you for people that are like real red flags. Um, it tests for your level of like psychopathy and narcissism. And like deviousness, which is like I have heard of it. I have yeah. heard of it. I and you know, I, I when I heard about it, and I was like really getting into personality tests and like starting to essentially have faith in them and and uh, start yeah. to rely on them for hiring people. I was like, let me give this to my friends because I know my friends pretty well, and you know, some are narcissists, some are like just have no empathy. They're psychopaths a little bit, right? Everyone's like has some level of psychopathy, right? You could call someone a psychopath, and they're like a five out of a hundred. Um, and it's very interesting, like connecting the dots about with, with the results that you get and you know, what the person's like. You use it for hiring? Is that the test you use it? We use it sometimes. I've used it. Uh, I use it a lot more in the past than I do now, but it's definitely still a, a useful thing. It really, honestly, it comes down to how long you want the interview process to be or the, pro the application process, because we already do a... Uh, a specific like we do the hexaco score which is similar to disc but it tests for like specific like conscientiousness and you know things like that alertiveness yeah um, so we use that one and we use the skill test hmm. so if you add in another personality test right we're talking 30, 35 yeah yeah it's just a lot of stuff so yeah, it really yeah. comes down to how long you want the whole thing to be yeah so I mean, if i had 
you know what? I'm not a psychopath, so I don't want to make people ago, pain. I remember taking that a couple years ago, Alex, and I remember thinking, man, if I'm really a psychopath, I'm gonna lie on these on this test because I'm not. Make, right. I'm gonna if I'm really a psychopath, like I'm something's wrong with me. I'm gonna not do it the way you think because you don't want me to know. You don't want to think. I, I, for I sure. think I'm a psychopath, right? So yeah. I'm trying to get a job. So that's why, like, that kind of test kind of freaked me out. I remember reading some of the questions. I'm like, Dude. I, think, I think you're just too smart for that. You think you would do that? I think um, well, that's the case. I think that's the case for any personality test. Like yeah, anybody can yeah. fake their personality True, on a that's test. That's, that's why. Good. That's why they're. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and say this yeah. personality test is exactly like my Correct. scorecard. Right? Correct. That doesn't make Correct. sense. Correct. Yeah, that's why the yeah. skill test comes in. That's why the interview process makes sense. And that's why it's like it, it needs to be a process: higher, slow, fire, fast. That's like the. That's the motto. Yeah, I like, yeah, exactly. Same thing. So, uh, and it's funny for the psychopathy thing. I've heard stories of people like hiring or, or giving te- the test out to, you know, candidates and they're very honest with their answers and they get like a 90 out of a hundred on psychopathy. And like the employers are like, this person probably killed somebody. <laughs> so, you know, it can, it can weed out the red flags if those sure. people are honest and you know, whatever. I'm sure. Uh, so onto the interview process, uh, People that have never hired, hired people before are very nervous to get into an interview and, you know, ask questions and evaluate and take notes and, you know, make a good representation of themselves and the company that they're, you know, starting. Yeah. G- give us some advice for the brand owners listening. Like, all right, I want to get my store going and I want to hire people, but like, I'm so nervous for my first interview. I'm going to do something better for you guys. If people have listened this far, I'm going to give you the top I want to say it's like, I, I think it's almost like 40 to 50 questions that I have for the interviews that uh, you should definitely ask on every single interview. Obviously, it's long. 40 to 50 questions is a lot. But definitely, there's like 10 to 20 that are really good um, because, you know, you want to find background. But there's some questions that make you think because one of the questions that I ask on every single interview is if you were to win the lottery tomorrow, right, $20 million, boom, in your bank, what is the first like two to three things that you're buying? What, what, what do you do with that money? And that immediately, instead of like, what's your why? Like, no, 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 here's 20 to $30 million, you're set. What are, what are you doing? What, what is, where are you going? Who are you buying? Who are your time? Yeah. That immediately tells me what their ultimate motivation is, right? They're like, oh, I want to escape to Australia. I live by myself in the jungle. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, that's interesting. I, I never not hire someone because of that, but now I'm like, oh, this person's motivation is a little, little cray-cray. But um, everybody- I like th- that. I like that. That is a great question. Yeah. <laughs> it so doesn't, like, and it does, it's not direct, right? It's not asking, fine. what is your why, right? Tell me what motivates you, right? That's, that's that a little question. bit more direct and people can fake that really easily. But you if know, you, you know, ask the question that you ask, it's a little less indirect. I, they don't know why you're asking it. A hundred percent. But when I used to raise to call chiropractors and I used to ask them like the last question, so like, why do you want to grow your practice? Like, what, what do you? And I felt cringe. I remember cringing every time I asked that. And I was like, how do I ask that question? Yeah. And I literally used to ask them, if you scaled your practice, you, you hit your numbers, you're at hundred K a month. And like, what, what, what's next? What do you do with all that money? Do you buy Lamborghini, Ferrari? Do you buy mansions? So I started like pointing them to where most people would go. And they're like, no, 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 man. I, I would go buy, I would first off pay my college debt. Then I would uh, buy a house in Beverly's, blah, 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 whatever they say. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's your motivation. That's like, it's like the most indirect way of asking what our motivation is, but it's so direct at the same time. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of right. uh, uh, question. So like that's a question that I, oh, I always ask people. I also ask them, this is an interesting question, is like who personally, who's the smartest person you know and why? It's another really good question because I'm like figuring out who's an important, who's someone they value in their life, right? Because the smartest person is someone that you genuinely, like. I'm not saying who's the smartest person, like oh, Joe Rogan. I'm like, I don't fucking know Joe Rogan. I don't know if he's smart. But, <laughs> but I have to sit there like who's the smartest person I know and I'd have to answer that question myself to where I'm like sitting there and 
and I love making them think on interviews. And I think a lot of people make the interview way too job specific. Like, tell me about your media buying experience and how much ad spend did you buy and what would you do with this ad set? Blah blah blah. Yeah. You should definitely do. Please do that. But also make it challenging, make it fun, make it more personalizing, make it, you know, you're, you're going to get to know these people indirectly. You're going to work with them. If you're hiring someone, how I see it is once they pass that first month, I want you to be with me as long as I'm in business. As long as I'm doing this, I want you to be with me unless something drastic happens and I shut down. So I don't see that happening. I want you to be with me for years to come. That means that I need to your family and I want to get to know you. Like, how do I help you? And you get to open up people. This is what I've noticed. You, you have people will open up to you by two ways. Number one, they trust you. That's first and foremost. And number two is by asking them very specific questions, but in, in unique ways, right? Like the lottery question, like the smartest person question. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of other questions and they'll start opening up to you in ways that most people don't like instead of who's the most important person in your life, right? If you ask them who's the, who's the smartest person, that's probably if someone's super important to them, right? So that's just like an example. Right. How, do you, how do you handle them asking you back, like, um, why are you asking me these questions? Mm. It's kind of random, right? <laughs> First yeah, off, yeah, I, I've, that are never, defensive and stuff? I've never had that happen, ever. If they were asking me that, I'd be like, well, to be honest with you, your skills and your experience matter to me a lot, but I want to get to know you on a deeper level if we're going to work together, especially since you're on the other side of the world. I have to trust you with my life and you have to trust me with your life. So I'm asking you because I want to get to know you, your family, and if we work together for the long run, I really want to be a part of your life, just like you need to be, and I want you to be a part of my life. That's how that's 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 how it is. But honestly, I've, I've never had anyone ask me. I've had people laugh where they're like, "Huh?" Right? Another one. I've I've asked this a couple of times. It's such a random question, but I'm like, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? And they're saying, <laughs> it's such it's so it's so out of the blue. It's so out of the blue. I make my interviews fun. I, I hate, I've had interviews. I'm sure you guys have had two where I'm sitting there and it's just a mo. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to work here. And the interview process is the employer. You have to, they have to want to work for you, man. And I, yeah. I literally had someone yesterday, guys, it's actually funny. Right after our call, our uh, podcast, I had this guy tell me yesterday, he's like, I'm looking for a VA. I want them to work. If they break, I, I don't care how much, I don't care about their excuses. If they break their leg and they have fever, they can work from home. I'll pay them $3 an hour, blah, 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 all this stuff. I'm like, I'm literally, I'm like, bro, you're, you would be the worst client ever. Like you just not a good person. And I literally- In the dark triad test. <laughs> I literally text them back. I'm like, dude, I hope that whoever you find doesn't end up killing themselves. And I'm not even kidding. Cause you're, you're yeah. so strict and you would be such a horrible person to work for. Where I want to be the I want to be the boss that number one we get shit done we get results for our clients because that actually what matters but number two it's a fun environment and I make, we make each other laugh and we trust each other that's how you build the long our best months and our best times and the best companies that I worked for were those companies it was not the military militant company which I know also works but for me I know my personality I need a little mix I need like let's get yeah. done to number one priority. But number two, let's have a little bit of fun. Let me get to know you. And I think that's where you open up with interviews. I think one of the places where people go wrong is that they don't look at a virtual assistant as being a human. Correct. Right? Yeah. Number one. Just a robot across the world. Correct. Um, and I feel I feel like I've heard you do this as well, but you know, we have I I don't like we have I don't know, it's 12 maybe 15 people on our team that are from the philippines but nobody has the title virtual assistant same right here. and i think it's an important thing to do is give people ownership of a position like you are a media buyer operations assistant lead nurturer and yeah. i think um 
Uh, I think that's huge. But like, how do you how do you apply that? I'm sure you pl- apply that. Uh, and how do you see that affect things? Like affect the person's outlook from yep. from the person that's hiring, and how yep. the person that's being hired has it affect their outlook on their position. This is a great question. I love giving people titles because what I've noticed in those thermal countries, sometimes the title means more to them than getting paid more. Some people would rather be, not all the time, but I've seen this happen with my company and other companies. They would rather be the head of uh, connections or the head of interviewing and get paid $800 a month versus a virtual assistant making $1,000 a month. Now, that's not all the time. I'm not saying that for every person. Some people don't give a shit about their title. But I think giving them a title is 100% real. And it's funny, like my company's name is FAVA, right? So the VA is in there, right? F and Awesome Virtual Assistants. And the reason I kept it, because I was kind of going back and forth on it um, last year. And I was thinking like, maybe I should change it. I want to, but in my head, I'm like, dude, I want to change the meaning of a virtual assistant. Because in the end of the day, everyone that works remote is a virtual assistant. We just are. We just don't want to claim Dave, CEO, Alex, CMO, like whatever the, because we want, we, we all, everybody's a little ego. You don't want to be called a VA. If someone's like, if Dave introduced you and, and at the uh, at ATL event, yeah, this is Alex, my VA, you'd have been like, <laughs> motherfucker, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the term, the term, touch, it's, it, it, it's been condescending for so long. And again, like I said, there's two people to blame. There is the VAs that are robots, unfortunately. Their English is not good enough. They're not experienced enough. And they just want, they don't want to grow. I don't want that. I don't want that person. But then we both have people on our team that live in the Philippines, live in South America, that they just want to grow. They want to be part of the company. They want to make more money. They want to figure out how do they advance in their career. They want to be proud. They want to tell people what they do and be proud of it. How many people do you guys know in your life that are almost like embarrassed about what they do? I've met a lot of people, and I always used to be one of those people. Right? When I was driving for Uber and Lyft, yeah. I was super embarrassed. I'm like, oh, I drive for Uber. Now it's like, fuck, here's what I do. And Dave, you're like, oh, shit, we work 150 clients. It's like, it's a blessing. So I think a lot of those people, they want to have a title. They want to uh, be there. And this is why the onboarding call, it's so important to dive into that about their position and how they can level up. Like, here's where you are now. Here's if everything works out well, we do what we do, you do what you do. Here's what the next three months look like. Here's what the next six months look like. Here's what by the end of the year, here's a year from now what it looks like. I start planting those seeds and giving them the advancements. Um, and then what I've noticed as well, once you've passed that stage, is a lot of these virtual assistants, a lot of these you know people from all over the world, they want to lead people. And the end of the day, in the end of the day, the, one of the most important things that I think all of us want to do, and we have to do this in order to level up, is we have to be able to lead us leading the teams, leading our clients, leading on sales calls. We are the people that are the best leaders in the world are the most successful people. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, they're leaders. No matter what we well, no matter what anybody thinks of them. And I'm telling you one of the most powerful things you guys can do, you guys whoever's listening, is these people that are virtual assistants, these people that are your call center is for, have them lead once they've earned it. And that's the, that for me, that's the advanced payment. That's how you, that's how you raise yourself from $800 to $1,000 is when I hire someone and I don't have to sit there and train them all day. When I know that you're going to take care of them and the next person's going to take care of them. Real leaders breed leaders. That's the truth. In my opinion, real leaders breed leaders. It's not like me leading and I have to do all the trainings and all the onboarding and all this and this and this. this. That's not, that's, that's just me. I'm just my own employee at that point. So in order for me to level up, I need to you need to, and this is one of the things I tell everybody, when you hire someone, make sure that, especially the level when you're between a zero to 100K per month, make sure you're bringing on people with leadership characteristics, right? They have potential. Maybe they're not freaking Jeff Bezos leader right now, but they have potential to lead a team. 
And I have done a really good job at this, at finding those people as well as like onboarding them for myself. So yeah. Are there, uh, would you say, uh, yeah, Dave, are there any uh, of your fun questions that you ask that help you kind of figure out, does this person have leadership ability or a mind, the right mindset? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I've had questions, um, and I, 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 out of the top of my head, I've, I have questions on there and I've asked questions around the line of like, um, if you have a department under you, right, what do you feel like, what do you feel like is necessary in order to make sure that they are getting things done, right? Like, so sometimes it's very direct. Sometimes I make it like seem like, okay, if, you, if we go back to like the, let's say 1920s and you were the, uh, and you were the president of the country of president of this country, what are some of the things that you feel like you would do? Like things like that, I want to breathe, I want to figure out what is their leadership mentality because I believe every human on the planet has leadership potential. Every single one, even the homeless person across the street. Some of these homeless people lead other homeless people. They're like, yo, let's, let's how do we get more money? Especially in San Diego. No, for, that's a fact. Yeah. Absolutely, I've seen it. So if you, yeah. if, you can, if you can really exploit that in the best way, not exploit that in a bad way, but exploit that in the best way and bring it out of them, because the way at us as leaders and CEOs and CMOs and all that stuff, is, the way we do that is by giving people the opportunity, right? And I plant the seed. All What I do, I'm a professional seed planter. Literally, I plant seeds with my team, with my clients, with, with whoever it is. And if we do that at a high level and you do that consistently and you set the expectation, man, it, it's a complete game changer, especially for these people that live in these third world countries. So would you say you never, you shouldn't ever really have to teach leadership? Obviously, you can teach no, certain I think you definitely, leadership. I think that the leadership should definitely be taught. I think that should be taught. I think you oh, should, really? Yeah, I think that you need, I think someone can possess the skills of a leader, but they don't know how to, they don't know how to show it. They don't know how to like really, they need, they just need help. So sometimes every single yeah. person maybe has a differently, has a different perspective. Some people are really good leading on the call, right? But then when it comes to, following up with their team they're not very good at it and vice versa some people are not so good on leading on the call and they're quiet and more introverted but then when it's following up with their with following up with the team and getting the data they're really good at it so you have to be able as a ceo you have to combine the both because we have to be good at we have to be the best leader on our team by far right in order for us to lead everybody um so yeah i do think that we used to do leadership training we're working with joel i still do leadership training with my team like i think it's definitely important sure yeah, fair enough. So I want to pivot a little bit, um, you know, in the in the topic of hiring people and looking for VAs and, and growing your company from one employee to multiple. What is something that you've seen that people spend time and money on that they shouldn't? Um, definitely, I would say time wise, doing the hiring themselves. Unless okay. you're brand new. If you guys pass me someone today, like a gym owner, and he's never looked for a VA in his life, doesn't know where to start and has, uh, has the time, I would tell him, yo, here's the resources. This is what I would do if I was you. I literally did this one on sales mm -hmm. day. Cause I actually want people to try it. Cause if you try and you succeed, man, God bless. The people at my best clients are people that tried it and they didn't do it. So I'd say doing it themselves, um, doing it yourself is the biggest time waster, if, especially if you tried and it didn't work out or you don't know where to start or, and most importantly, you don't have the time. Cause if you're trying to spend more time doing it then it becomes a mess. And then as far yeah. as money, um, I would, Hmm. Money wise, I would definitely not spend money on, um, so this is, this is the answer. There are recruiting companies out there that you pay them that, and they pay the VAs. So the way it works for me is that you guys pay a setup fee 
and then there's an insurance, but then you pay for the, the this VA, this recruit, whatever. They're working for you. Yep. There are companies that kind of screw over the VAs, in my opinion, where you pay them a thousand dollars a month, and then they pay they pay the, the VA three to four hundred dollars a month, and then they keep six right. seven hundred dollars. In my opinion, that's super messed up. So if you are going to do that, you should take less than the VA because you're just doing you're getting recurring. Um, so that's where I would I would stay away from. Because, and the thing is. They don't really know what the VA is making, so sometimes they'll be like, "Oh yeah, the VA is making seven hundred dollars," but then in reality, they make three hundred dollars. And I've seen that—that's the most disgusting thing in the world. You're you're effing over people in the third world country. So I would say stay away from those types of companies unless you know them for sure and you know that they're credible. Um, but there, I believe there are a lot of companies out there that charge thousand, two, three thousand dollars a month, and they pay a VA a very small fraction of that, you know, three, yeah. four dollars an hour, and they keep the majority of that. So that's where. Right. I, Whereas, whereas someone like you, you're just, it's just a one-time fee that doesn't, no money gets taken away from the VA. So you're, you're still paying someone to help you find talent, but you're paying one upfront fee and you're not, you're, you're not taking money out of the VA's pocket. Zero. I, I honestly have, I went back and forth. I mean, literally if I was to do that from the beginning, and let's just say I close all these clients, we would be at eight figures. So like, yeah. it's not about like, Oh, I'm going to be at eight figures and be a multimillionaire. Like I, I also don't want to screw over these VAs that are in, there are already right. third world countries that are already like I live in Colombia, I'm managing like it's, this is a poor country, you know, not, relatively speaking. If you guys look outside my house right now, you would not think so. But overall, <laughs> outside of my house, most people here are not doing so well and taking any money away from them is just disgusting in my opinion. So, you know, if you do that, just be careful with those companies because some of them do do that. That's a very common thing in this industry. Okay, cool. What would you say, Omir, is your, in your career, your biggest failure and what would you say you learned from that experience? I actually, I looked at that question earlier. That was one of the questions I was like, what's my biggest failure? Because I don't regret shit. Honestly, I'm, I'm not, I've done a lot of shit. Like I, I, I could have invested in Bitcoin back in 2020, 30K. I had, I had money in 2020 during the crash. I could have put 30K into Bitcoin, lost all of it. I would have still been okay. So that, that sucked. But I would say, man, the biggest failure, honestly, that was not my biggest. That was the biggest, like, I can't believe it. My biggest failure in my opinion is not, <laughs> is not trusting the person that ended up changing my whole life, Marcos, from day one. Uh, because we bought into Ty Lopez's course uh, winter of 2016, uh, February, so a few months later, he moved to Colorado and he gave me the opportunity to go with him and start this whole thing with him. And I just, dude, I just didn't, I felt so bad. I was already living in his house. I was pay, barely paying rent. Like, it was like $200 a month. I just felt like I didn't want to leech, continue leeching on him, where I should have leeched on him if he gave me the opportunity and then paid him back over time. Uh, because man, God knows, I mean, it could have been us three and I mean, who knows what, have, what would have happened. Maybe none of this would have happened. I have to move back, but I wish I took the risk earlier. That's my biggest regret. I only took it, you know, a year and a half later. So it's not like 17 years later, I'm 45 years old, but, um, I wish I took the risk earlier. And some people are listening right now and they're thinking about taking the risk. And I'm telling you, the, the, I was listening to Tony Robbins, uh, on Jay Shetty's podcast the other day. And he said, um, pain is like ounces of shit. Regret is like pounds of shit, right? <laughs> and then yeah. and like pain, you know, the pain of failing, it's, it's there, but it, you're going to let it go. But the regret, you know, of not walking up to the beautiful girl you see at the store, of not starting the business, of not taking the leap of faith, of not traveling, that honestly, the, the, that is the worst. So I'm, I, obviously I don't regret it. Things worked out. But if I, I wish I made the leap of, if I could have, I would have made the leap of faith even earlier, obviously. And how old were you? I mean, especially if you're young, right? You want to take more risk when you're younger. Mm -hmm. You need to lose at that point. I was 22. I was, uh, I was about to turn, I was about to turn 20, 
22, I believe. Yeah, I was, I was 21, 22. So I was, you know, young. Yeah. Don't know. I mean, dude, I was, uh, I live, one of my roommates here is uh, 19 years old and dropped, didn't go to school, moved to Columbia and is doing solar sales. And I'm like, dude, if you just stick to this, you're going to surpass everybody because solar sales is huge and you're working with us. You see us, we're grinding every day. We're going to the gym, all that stuff. Like, wow. If I, at 19, dude, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally embarrassed to tell him what I was doing. It's like actually quite embarrassing. Yeah. So, um, it's a different time, you know, we're talking about almost 10 years ago, but it is what it is. So, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, like you said, you were 22 when you, if you're in your twenties or thirties and yeah. maybe even like low forties, right? Like take, take risks, make them calculated, oh, but take calculated risks. For sure, man. I, you know, we talked about the butterfly effect yesterday and I tell people like, I was, I'm always wondering, I actually curious about, I mean, yours, but yo, we talked about business wise, but for me, the biggest butterfly effect was my mom winning the green card when I was uh, like 10 years old and us moving from the U S from uh, Israel to the U S because most people, most Jews that you guys meet in the U.S., it's like they started their own company and they went on Visa. And this is that's not the case with us. We, my, my dad works as an Uber driver. My mom works in like a little office. Like they were not like a rich, successful, ultra successful family. So the biggest butterfly effect is literally her winning the lottery to move to the U.S. Because if I, I probably would still be in Israel right now, just finishing right. the army a few years ago and not trying to figure out life. I mean, that's insane to think about then i came to the u.s and in my head i'm like okay now i'm taking all the risks you already made the biggest risk i'm gonna take i'm gonna take all the risks for us to live the best life possible because a lot of people that move to the u.s like my family that's like their american dream is just moving to the u.s in reality moving to the u.s is the stepping stone what you should do is make yourself a better life in the u.s like now you have it and they didn't do that so that's on me like nah it's pressures on me to make shit happen for them you know to live out uh, their last you know couple decades the best way possible so yeah that's awesome, man. So for, you know, the people listening, as we begin to wrap up here, where can people, you know, find you, get in touch with you, follow you, all your content yeah. and stuff? Uh, it's funny. I have the most unique name. I don't know if you guys know any other Omer Blocks out there. So O-M-E-R-B-L-O-C-H on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, started a YouTube channel. Um, I was actually thinking about changing my last name like a few years ago and I'm like, why would I do that? Right. I have such a unique name. I'm going to, my SEO, my SEO is like incredible. Now it's going to be even better. <laughs> so like, I have to think business. I used to not think business. I used to think like, oh, I, I want to. I wanted to be Omir Johnson and be OJ. Like re 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 uh, rediscover the name OJ because everybody thinks OJ. You know, so I'm like, I'm gonna be the better OJ. And I realized the juice. That was like a lot of work. I'm way too white, not athletic enough, and there's just no way I would. I would, I would switch to OJ. Uh, so OJ OJ was a dead dream. But on the real, so Omir Block, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, people can message me. I, I, you know, I, I interact with a lot of people. Facebook and Instagram are my like primary um, platforms for sure. Cool, awesome. We'll link it in the description below. Last question, Omir. We ask every guest this at the end of the show. If you could sit in a room with a bunch of mentors once every morning to help guide you, listen to them, give you advice, who would be in that room? They can be alive or dead. It can be multiple uh, people too. Um, all right, so... I'll do it's I, I've already thought I've, I've already thought about this for a while uh, because for me it's the people that I love in each like facet of life that they're in a sense so number one would be J, the JRE Joe Rogan I am I've been an avid listener since like 2015 2016 changed my entire perception of life I mean I literally credit Joe Rogan like my dad was my dad from my from zero to like 16 17 then 18 19 20 I needed someone that's like like just more just has a different life and it, you ha at some point, you have to listen to people that have what you want. 
right? And I, I noticed that early on because, you know, I joined network marketing and kind of got, got into me. So Jorgen would definitely be one of them. The other one I would say is the grandfather of personal development, which would be Jim Rohn. Love that guy. I actually have him. Uh, it's my senior quote, funny enough, uh, in 2014. Formal education makes you a living. Self-education makes you a fortune. Uh, so Jim yeah. would be another one. Um, and then I would do this person, but only his prime. So from 20, from 2012 to 2016, anything after that, I don't want to be associated with him too much. And that's Conor McGregor. So he's the one that really, <laughs> really got me into UFC, got me into loving MMA. I, I, it's actually dude, so I couldn't funny. agree more with that observation. It's, it's, but dude, what's crazy is I was not a big UFC fan. I used to like WWE and football. Football, I'm a huge NFL guy. And then I started watching him in 2015. The very first pay-per-view I ever bought is uh, his fight with Chad Mendes where he became a champ, all that stuff. And then the documentary dropped later on, and I became the biggest Conor McGregor fan of all time. The last couple of years, obviously, it's kind of been embarrassing to talk about him. But his prime, <laughs> like his prime, what he did in his prime to go from being a plumber to not having a job to – uh, making it to the UFC, to going on an amazing run and you know finishing basically everyone and making millions of dollars all the way to like the whiskey, right? Where I would stop it is right before the Khabib fight. Right up to the Khabib fight is where I would stop it because the Floyd Mayweather, I loved. I knew he was going to lose. Nobody, you know, but I love that he made $100 million. But the Khabib is one that got cringy. He became a little drunk, like jealous brat. And I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't stand that anymore. And then up, <laughs> up until that, I, I wouldn't even say like even past that when he made the sale. I don't know if you guys know, he, he sold his whiskey last year. Um, it actually popped up yet last, yes, it was exactly a year from yesterday when they, they announced it or two days ago from um, a year ago. And uh, he sold it for $200 million. So to me, I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. I mean, he did everything he was supposed to. So for me, it's an athlete, personal development and podcaster. Those are like the three people. And imagine a room with me, Conor McGregor, Jim Rohn and Joe Rogan. We're either we're either gonna be doing DMT and like the, talking about the craziest shit, or Jim Rohn's gonna <laughs> preach us, or Conor McGregor's gonna teach us how to fight. Like it'll be the the you know <laughs> craziest mix. Yeah, no, you'd get some valuable advice there, dude. It's crazy when you said 2012 to 2016, so many names went through my mind really quickly. I'm like, who is he gonna t like yeah. say here? I'm thinking like I'm thinking like Aaron Hernandez or yeah, like yeah, yeah, like no. or like Harvey Weinstein or something like who no, went no, 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 absolutely no. evil towards the end there and I no, no, think no. Of, I, yeah. I, I watched their documentaries they're not people of I would ever want to associate with myself with ever in my entire life I mean it's kind of disgusting but yeah 2012 2016 is a weird it's like a weird you're like Jeffrey well was that was that, was that before the Epstein murder <laughs> Or like after yeah no no yeah who had the I, most I, drastic I, downfall of the career I had a problem. I'm actually curious because. Before I go, what, what are y'all? What are y'all's? Who are your people? Like two or three people? <laughs> oh, no one's asked us this on the show. Yeah, yet, no one's so asked for us. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I'll go first, Dave, if you want a second. Because um, I, I think about this all the time. Um, Mark Cuban, probably one of my favorite entrepreneurs ever. Yeah. Uh, I just I love, love everything that comes out of that guy's mouth. Love, love. Uh, Ty Lopez, of course. He's the reason yeah. I'm at, on this call today, and he's yeah. the reason I'm in marketing. Yeah. Um, Gary V, for sure. Um, Logic the rapper, like one of my most influential people love him. in my entire love, life. Love him, love yeah. him. Yeah, we've talked oh, about him on here. Yeah, yeah. I forgot, uh, I forgot someone for me, but after, after you go, after you, I'm gonna go. I would say probably Stephen Hawking would be in there. Interesting. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge space guy, right? Rocket car yeah. control, but also like I, I'm I'm just fascinated by the guy's philosophies and outlooks on life. So yeah. I actually forgot some of those are a couple of mine because I'm a huge music fan. I can't believe I forgot this person. And for me, it's Russ. So I'm going to run. Yeah, Russ. That. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, big Russ fan. I actually love Logic as well, too. He, you know, moving to Montana, being by himself. I, I love, 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 love Logic. Big fan. So 
Uh, that's that's great. What about you, Dave? Uh, it's tough. So I'm just going to pick a few that come to mind right now, uh, thinking about it on the spot. Um, I feel like I just have to because I've always been a fan. I've read his book and all that stuff. Is Elon Musk? Um, I think he's just yeah. a fascinating individual. Yep. Uh, what he's accomplished. Um, with and the other side of that, the probably a bit of a darker one is probably Bezos. You know, Jeff Bezos is just incredible entrepreneur. Um, and those are awesome ones to have. But at the mm. same time, these guys are like multi, multi billionaires. And like, yeah. I don't even know if the advice they can even give me can be really applicable. So I would want someone, I also want someone that's just not that far ahead from where mm. we are, which mm. right now I feel like that probably is like an Alex Ramosi, even though I, you know, I've someone had to mention him. Someone I, has to I mean, you know, like it's, you want someone that can understand what you're doing and see what you don't see in your own position, you know? Very true. You know, it's like, can Elon Musk tell us about like how to like build brands and agencies? Yeah, he probably can, but I'm like, we're not Tesla. Like this is not yeah. the same thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I will say if you can make, if you can have him tweet one thing like, hey guys, if you're a gym owner, changer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what he does with crypto, one tweet about Dogecoin, one tweet about Shibu Inu, you're fucking making thousands of dollars. Yeah. Right. For better or worse, man, he's he's definitely one of the most influential people on the planet right now. He, yeah. I think he is the most influential person on the planet. Like yeah. number one, yeah. especially by Twitter. It's crazy because I'm on Twitter. I've been on Twitter for the last six months, and the engagement that he gets. I mean, he's getting fifty to hundred thousand retweets. Did you, guys, did you see his tweet yesterday? Uh, I don't know. He's been tweeting. He said he's going to buy Coca-Cola so he can put cocaine back in. Cocaine. Yes. <laughs> Dude, he, he made a he made a meme about Bill Gates like three days ago, and it got like two million likes. The boner one. Insane. The boner one. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, he's ridiculous. The most influential person in the world. I hope that he takes Twitter to the next level. I'm scared that he's going to make it kind of Elon Twitter, which that's what I hope. He I agree. But yeah. um, either way, I love what he does, and I, I'm a huge fan. So for, it makes sense, Dave. Like the, him and Alex Ramosi. So like, and anyone else. Yeah, I'll add one other one who actually I don't follow a tremendous amount, but anytime I watch a clip of him, I'm like, this guy is very, very well-rounded, a very, very rational thinker, um, would be Jordan Peterson. Mm. Oh, great. Yeah. Like, great. It just doesn't feel like he's a very biased person, very, very like rational thinker. I really yeah. He's a deep guy. Yeah. Super deep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I had one more and it's escaping me. Oh, um, Kobe. I was gonna say I forgot Kobe. Kobe's yeah, great. Kobe for Kobe's sure. Great. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Dave a couple months ago. Kobe's the only celebrity death in my entire life that I've cried over. Like, wow. genuinely. First time I ever actually uh, felt the impact of that was really sad. I yeah. I, thought it was I fake. still can't believe it to this day. Honestly, I literally like, still it was kinda, fake. I literally was like, this, was, this is fake. This is fake. I was thinking about Kobe this morning, and I was like, wait, he's dead. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Um, the other like, one I would add. Yeah. Go ahead. No, because you forget, like, because he just retired and he started getting more into public. Before he wasn't, yeah. like 2015, 2014, he was so focused on basketball. But like his last couple of years was like, he was in the public, and he was doing interviews and he was out there and then you're, for, you're like, I haven't seen Kobe in a while. And then it's like, duh. So yeah, no, it's, yeah. Uh, it's uh, sad. Other one I would add that I forgot is, uh, it's kind of a meme now, but I've been saying him for years, so I get credit, Will Smith. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I, think, I think Will Smith is very influential. And he's super. He's, just, he's more than an actor and an entertainer. For me so yeah no I, I agree I'll, I'll, I'll add I'll finish off with the, with this as, as a full circle um, because I I feel like he's so interesting I don't know how much value he would add to my life but you said Will Smith and it popped in my head and it's uh, DiCaprio 
I feel like he nobody knows him. Like who is DiCaprio? Like he doesn't do interviews. He's so on his own, but he's so yeah. mega successful. I don't know how he would add value to me getting more uh, clients or VAs, but uh, I definitely know that he's super interesting and he has an, a, a, like one of the greatest actors ever, as is Will Smith. You know, it's unfortunate that he's uh, you know doing what he did, but it is what it is. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they listen. And yo, DiCaprio, if you want to do a podcast, let me know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talk about climate change or something. Yeah, for sure. That'd be funny. Yeah. That. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, flipping the question on us and yes. making us think a little bit. But yeah, yeah uh, great answers, Omir. Great podcast. We, we, this was so much fun. I had a blast. I learned so much. I was going to interrupt you a couple times saying like, I got to take notes on this. I'm yeah. definitely going to go watch the recording back and, and make sure I take some notes because hiring is one of my favorite things to do. It's my favorite thing to do in business. And I'm always trying to get better at it. And it's just, it's so fun and to do a good job at it and mm. attract great talent. I think every entrepreneur listening should enjoy that because that's what building a business is all about, really. So definitely, uh, you know, definitely take notes from Omir. Go follow him. Check out his his podcast, his show. Check out Fava. Yep. And you know, subscribe to our podcast and listen for some some more episodes just like this one. So thank you again, Omir, and thank you guys. Out.